If a Christian doesn't pray about heaven, that's a remarkable lack. Who ever heard of exiles not thinking about home? Now, I said, that's exactly what the rosary is. We are in a new moment of time and a new moment of space. So we keep saying to our Lord and to the Blessed Mother, I love you, I love you. That's the Holy Rosary. That's the Catholic faith. The whole Catholic faith is in it. Well, I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your Rosary on the Road. We're now wrapping up the first full week of Lent. I hope that it was a productive one for everyone. I hope that everyone is growing spiritually here in the Lenten season, uh, and I just I hope it's beneficial to everyone. It's been a little bit of a little bit rough uh, for me going through it, but you know that's how Lent is. You, you, some years you start out weak and you finish strong. Other years you start out strong and you finish weak. I'd always prefer the latter. When I come upon Easter, to feel like I've made real progress. And I hope that everyone else can have that feeling at the end of Lent of making real progress. Not just in Lent itself, but in your spiritual life as a whole. It's a beautiful opportunity to have these 40 days set aside. You know, God does that. He sets aside time for us. He knows better than to let us set our own time. The best of us probably wouldn't. We're so dedicated to getting things done, and the worst of us certainly wouldn't because we're simply too lazy. So God, through his church, says, and not just through his church, but himself, says, you're going to do this thing. You need to do this thing. It's what's best for you. And I'm going to set aside time for you to do it. Uh, it's like a, like a parent who sets aside a nap time for for her young, for his young child, and when you have a toddler, that that toddler needs more sleep. It's set a bedtime for young children so they get enough sleep. You know that they won't choose to do it. They need it, but they won't choose to do it. So you set a time for them, and that's what God has done for us, and He's done it from the very beginning of the world by setting aside the Sabbath. This is a day that you will do no labor foreseeing almost that when Adam fell the curse that inevitably would be placed upon him would that be that the ground nature would rebel against him Adam sinned against God through nature the eating of the fruit and so nature would in a sort of punishment a sort of rebellion against the rebellious master of nature. Creation would rebel and refuse Adam's command. And so cursed will be the earth for thy sake. In the sweat of thy back thou shalt thou eat thy bread. And that means a lot of work. Anyone who's ever done any kind of farming knows it is a lot of work and it is a lot of uncertainty. 
we have it easy now we have how certain it is we can go to the store and and purchase food we, we were in Cre we're now just now for the first time in many years beginning once again to know what it is to be uncertain about our food to be uncertain whether we shall eat what we are used to eating not yet uncertain whether we shall eat at all which was the state of mankind for most of our history cursed shall be the ground for thy sake and so you will labor but you need rest and if I leave it to you you won't take it so I'm setting aside the Sabbath and on that day you shall do nothing no work no manual labor of any kind that's, the, that's what God has given us and now he gives us these 40 days in Lent to do the same thing you need to take time to prepare yourself you need to set aside time to improve yourself if I leave it to you you'll always say oh I'll do that next week well this this is next week it's next week now and you're going to do the resolution that you keep saying that you're going to do that, that's the spirit of Lent the church is ushering us to finally take up the cross that we keep polishing and leaving in the corner so it's a good time for us to be active in that undertaking. Now there's my that's there's my monologue. Now today we're praying for a prayer request from a longtime listener, Harambe son, who's become a very good friend of the of the prayer cast, and he has asked a requiem to be said uh, or a requiem prayer to be offered. Since I'm not a priest, I can't say a requiem uh, as one say says a mass. But he has asked for a requiem prayer to be offered on behalf of a young man named Ilya, who is, in fact, a Russian, uh, who died, uh, he was a Russian tanker, known to this listener, uh, who fell in battle uh, in the Ukraine. And so we're going to pray for the repose of his eternal soul, and uh, I hope in all of our hearts we'll be keeping the prayer that this nonsense over there because it really is nonsensical will and it's it's deadly nonsense will come to a close and people will put all this aside and be done with it and there will be peace there again all according to the will of God now if you have prayers that you want to submit uh, and you have any requiems if you have any prayers at all and it really is I'll, I'll take anything uh, uh, we had a, a prayer request recently submitted for the end of the World Economic Forum. <laughs> I think it'll take a pretty thick rug for me to accomplish that through prayer, but uh, nevertheless, nevertheless uh, there it is. Any, I, I'm going to pray it. Anyone who submits any prayer request, the power of prayer is great, and I am happy to do the penance. I want to. So please submit your prayers. Daily Decade Requests at proton.me. That's Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E. -E, requests in the plural at P-R-O-T-O-N dot M for Michael, E for Elizabeth. Uh, and uh, you can also write in to, uh, on one of the posts that I make, either on the Fediverse, on Gab, or on Telegram. The Fediverse instance that I'm on is postpoa.st, and uh, you'll find me at the Daily Decade on Telegram, 
gab and post you can also respond to any posting on the websites that have been so gracious as to syndicate the daily decade and that would be exodusamericanus.com and americaner.org both of which are uh, eager to bring the rosary to their audience even though neither of the proprietors of those two websites are catholic so god love them and i hope that you pray for them now, having said all of that, having laid aside all of our housekeeping, done the monologue and all of that, let's stop and put ourselves in the presence of God and pray for the repose of the soul of this young man and for the healing of his family. The loss of a child at no matter what age can be a very difficult thing, and it can have an impact on one's religion, without a doubt. And so, already uh, in a situation where that's difficult, I think it's appropriate for us to pray for them. So let's get our rosaries out, and uh, remember that today we are praying in Latin, and uh, we're praying the reflecting on, rather, the second sorrowful mystery. In nomine Pacis, Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Credo in Deum, Patrem Omnipotentum, Creatorum Celi et Terre, et in Iesum Christum, Filius Eis Unicum, Dominum Nostrum, qui conceptus este Spiritus Sancto, Natus Ex Maria Virgine, Passus sub Pontio Pilato, Crucifixus Mortus et Sepultus, Descendida in inferos. Tertia die resurrexida mortuis, ascendida celos, sedera dexteram dei patris omnipotentis, inde venturus as judicare vivus et mortus. Credo in spiritum sanctum, sanctum ecclesiam catholicam, sanctorum communionum, remissionum peccatorum, carnis resurrectionum, et vitam eternam. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, sanctificeter nomen Tum, adveniat regnum Tum, fia voluntas Tua, sicut in Celo et in Terra, Pater Nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et dimidi nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimidimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationum, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus Tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri, Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicur erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Secundum mysterium dolorosum, flagellatio Domini nostri, Jesu Christi, 
Paranoster, quiescent chili, sanctify chater nomen tum. Advenir regnum tum. Via voluntas tua, sicut in cedo et in terra. Param nostrum quotidianam da nobis horiae. Et dimidi nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimidimus debitoribus nostris. Et ne nos ducas in tentationem, sed libera nosa malo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, Ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. <coughs> Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicur erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia, vita dolcedo et spes nostri, salve. Ad te clamamus exulis filia evi, Ate suspiramus, gementes et flentes in hac lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos misericordes aculos ad nos converte. Et Jesum benedictum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. 
or Clemens, or Pia, or Dulce Virgo Maria. Ora pro nobis, Sancta Dei Genetrix, ut digni officiamur promissionibus Christi. Oremos. Deus cuius in genitus per vita mortem et resurrectionem suam nobis salutis eterni premia comparavi, concili quesimus. Ur heic mysteria sacratissimo beati Maria Virginis Rosario recolentes, et imitemur quod continent, et quod promitunt, Esequamur, <clears throat> Periundum Christum Dominum Nostrum. Amen. Requiem eternam, dona ei, Domine, et lux perpetua ei luciat, et requisat in pace. Amen. Sancte Michael Archangeli, defende nos in praedio. Contra nequisium et insidius diaboli et esto presidium, Imperadili Deus, supraces de precamor, tuque princeps milite terrestis, satana mariosque spiritus malignos, qui ad perditionem animarum pervagantur in mundo, divina virtute, in infernum de trude. Amen. Sacratissimum cor Jesu, miserere nobis. Sacratissimum cor Jesu, miserere nobis. Sacratissimum cor Jesu, advenia regnum tuum. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I drove by a sign outside of a church that said, Let's find hope together this Easter. Well, that's a very pleasant sentiment, isn't it? People are looking for hope. And we talked yesterday, or not yesterday, the last, feels like yesterday, the week gone by so quickly for me. Last uh, episode, talking about the uh, ascension, we talked about the hope, the theological virtue of hope that is contained in that. When we feel isolated and alone, God gives us meaning, or gives us the promise that He is there. He gives us a reassurance. He foresees our struggles, and He gives us an answer for those struggles. And He does that in two ways. And we talked about that. <clears throat> and here we come to the beginnings of the physical sufferings of our Lord on the way to Calvary. Now, Christ's physical sufferings began really with his incarnation. What a terrible thing it is to be reduced to humanity, to feel hunger, to feel cold, to feel pain. We have no record at all, uh, and it's very doubtful that our Lord ever suffered illness of any kind that he was ever sick because his organism would have been so perfect as to uh, prevent that from, from happening and of course he took on the sicknesses and Bishop Sheen points this out that one of the most common responses that Christ has to the 
passing of power from his person uh, in, in doing, performing a, a healing miracle is a sigh or a groan. He groans within himself. Uh, it manifests outwardly in some cases. In, in the case of Lazarus, knowing that he was called Lazarus forth from the tomb, knowing that he would raise him from the dead, nevertheless, right before he does it, or in the process of doing it, it's hard to tell, he sits down and he weeps. So the shortest passage in the Bible, Jesus wept. And so he, must, he feels the sicknesses. And in the scourging at the pillar, he feels more. It's the physical suffering of taking on the sins of mankind. Here it manifests. And these are, as the scourges tear into his flesh, these are sins of the flesh. We who engage in sins of the flesh whether they are those sins to which that phrase usually refers euphemistically or whether more broadly our gluttonies our laziness anything that relates to the body our vanity is really a, a, a sin of the mind we need a mortification of the mind but there is a physical component to it the sins that enact upon our own bodies whether it is pleasure seeking of uh, of a carnal uh, well say that everything that has to do with the body is carnal in nature but you know what I mean that's the most common form of pleasure seeking today anyway but there's also people who seek pleasure in subjecting themselves to certain things <clears throat> you know, excessive enjoyment of anything even the ancients, even before Christianity, they saw there was danger in that. Uh, Epicurus, the Greek philosopher who was responsible for Epicureanism, thought, taught that pleasure and enjoyment gave meaning to life. Even he taught that excessive enjoyment of anything actually took away value. You know, it's first the feast and then the hangover. Well, Epicurus wanted you to avoid the hangover. The Stoics taught that the pursuit of any kind of pleasure was pointless and weighed the soul down such that it could not function properly or partake of the freedom that it was intended to have. Providence turned the world. Exteriors impacted the, the life of a man. And the one place where he had, was able to exercise the freedom that was innate to his being, his raison d'etre, so it's the, the, the French raison d'etre, raison d'etre, there we are. I like, I like raison d'etre. <laughs> his reason for being is in the exercise of command over himself 
which is the only place he had any real command to begin with. So he didn't seek pleasure. The Neoplatonists, the various schools, the cynics, the skeptics, the Aristotelians, all of them saw pleasure-seeking as something to be restricted if a man wanted to be happy. Because they all recognized that there is in the glorying in the body something soul-destroying. And people do it in all sorts of ways. But it very rarely has any kind of lasting meaning for them. It's part of the reason why they do it again and again and again. And just as their pleasure has no real meaning to them, no sustenance in itself, in turn their pain has no meaning. The pain that they flee from in order to seek pleasure has no meaning. It has no impact at all on the improvement of their persons. Their personality, I suppose I should say. And that is because they don't know Christ. Oh, plenty of them are Christians. That's I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they're we're, we're just talking about heathen here. Plenty of them know who Christ is, or they have heard of him. They've heard him spoken. They may have grown up in households that taught him. But they don't know him in any kind of intimate way. They don't understand him. They don't have any kind of familiarity with his purpose that's expressed in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Everyone knows those verses. They don't really understand him. And that's because they don't really want to accept the human condition, which is pain and suffering. All of life is a struggle. Man's life on earth, Job says, is war. And that has much less meaning for us these days because we fight so few wars. Oh, we sent troops overseas. You know, we, we, we start, the United States in particular starts an awful lot of wars. It's been starting wars for most of its existence. But its citizenry over time has become less and less accustomed to the experience of war. Even by the 19-teens and the 1940s, the main way that war was experienced was through privation. You know, suddenly, all of these things were needed for the war effort. By the time you get to the 1960s and 1970s and 1980s, war isn't even experienced in that way. The, the Vietnam War, for instance, had no impact on our rations at home. It had no impact on the production of luxury goods much less the Gulf War, much less the war in Iraq. You have all of these, con and in each case, fewer and fewer of our military went over there. In fact, we've gotten to the point where we euphemize our soldiers. We call them servicemen in the service. An interesting euphemism, that is. The service what, exactly? Well, a soldier's job hasn't changed. 
you place him on a field of battle and he has to kill another human being. Now that's not to say that war is innately immoral. We have an understanding of just war and Catholic teaching, and it's often very necessary. But let's be honest with it at least as to what it is. War means killing. Killing means death. Death means suffering. Both for the man who kills, because it is not natural ultimately to kill, it is not part of God's intention for us, and for the man who is killed in his family. How many men go to their death completely unprepared to meet their maker? War is hell in so many ways. But we are distant from it. We're distant from suffering, the reality of suffering. We're distant from death. And so when we do suffer, however little or however great, we struggle to find meaning in that suffering. This Easter let us hope together. Why? What do we need hope for? Because we look around us and we see so many things are so hopeless. Well, why are they hopeless? Well, because they have no meaning to us. They're absurd. Life is so often absurd in this modern world. That's why that's where the phrase clown world comes from. We call it clown world. Why do we call it clown world? Because it's absurd. If you weren't in the midst of it suffering under it, you would laugh at it. And that's what we should do if we're saints, is laugh at it. You can laugh in two ways. You can laugh in it, at it with the joy of laughing with Christ and salvation, or you can laugh in a sort of insane way and let it, let it drive you mad. We, we want to rejoice in Christ. What does all this have to do with Christ there tied to the pillar having his flesh ripped off his back? Well, what is Christ doing? when he suffers like that. He's taking upon himself the cause of all of our suffering, which is our imperfections and our sins. Our Lady of Fatima, or I, I really prefer to say Our Lady when she appeared at Fatima. You say Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lost Let. It almost sounds like you're talking about different people, but you're not. It's the Blessed Mother. When the Blessed Mother appeared at Fatima, she said that more people go to hell for sins of the flesh than any other reason. Sins of impurity, I think, is what she actually said. And here Christ is. The very first sins that he takes upon himself and the most visceral absorption or assumption of that sinfulness is here at the scourging. And that gives pain meaning. Our sufferings, which are the result of sin, are made meaningful by the sufferings of Christ. And if we understand Christ and understand why he came to earth and understand why he came to us and continues to come to us, it's one of the, one of the things Bishop Sheen likes to cite very much. He quotes uh, Pascal. Christ hangs on the cross for all time. Well, if he's hanging there on the cross, if 
for all time, that means he's coming to us all the time. And he comes to us because he loves us and to show us that by taking our suffering and uniting it with his, we too have the power to trample on the asp and the basilisk and the lion and the dragon. And these are the sins that afflict us. We can overcome them by suffering well. And that is a message of hope because we are all going to suffer. We can either suffer meaninglessly, in which case, what do we have but despair? Or we can suffer with Christ. We can pull some of our salvation out of that pain, out of that struggle, out of that privation. And we can enjoy and rejoice in the thing which God intended for us from the very beginning of the world. So yes, let us all hope together this Easter. Let us all suffer together this Lent in such a way as to unite our suffering to his that we can join him both on Calvary and at the empty tomb. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The moon is the symbol of Our Lady. The moon is for those in darkness. And I think in a special way for sinners. So that if we but look to her, who is the moon and derives all light from the sun, they would never fall into an abyss. Now this is the rosary.